Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you've joined us this morning. We're ready to study the Bible for the next 30 minutes, and we do that by answering your questions. So if you're watching the first time and have always had a question about the Bible or wonder if something's really in the Bible, we'd be glad to try to answer those questions for you. It's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. That's how you get in touch with us. Uh, just email us a question or call in and leave it with the operator or the answering machine, depending what time of day or night you call. But uh, let us know what you'd like us to talk about, and we'll answer some questions. Uh, we've got uh, my partner here, Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go. And we've always got a first question for our viewers, so let's start with that one. I uh, want to know, what did Solomon ask God to give him? And you remember when Solomon became king, God said he could have anything he wanted. So what did Solomon ask for? I'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. Well, it looks like uh, Toby drew number one today, so get us started. Here. A question people struggle with. Uh, I can't understand evil like the abuse of children, the elderly, and the weak. I thought God helps us, makes me doubt. Well, uh, for the first part of your statement, I do agree. I, I can't understand evil, and I'll admit uh, there are days you hear about a, read a story in the news or see something happen, and you just shake your head and think, how in the world could this happen? Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, absolutely, we've for sure never uh, uh, seems like we've never hit bottom in terms of the level of evil and depravity and wickedness that we can see among human beings and you need to know that this kind of thing whatever evil uh, whatever shape or form it takes uh, breaks God's heart uh, God is good in his nature perfectly good and he hates, hates evil of any sort um, whether it's uh, these kind of things that you mentioned, uh, abuse of children, the elderly, the weak, uh, those kinds of uh, uh, transgressions are especially uh, abominable to him. Um, when we look at Scripture, we see the story of the goodness of God and the wickedness and the evil of man. And those two behaviors, those, those two truths are going back and forth in the story of the Bible. Uh, the reason that those things, that, that the evil and the wickedness and the depravity uh, is rooted in the fact that human beings, you and I, have free will, the ability to choose for ourselves whether we're going to do the will of God or not, to trust that God's good and that His way is best, and then to actually do it. Of course, many people reject God's will. Uh, some, some people entirely, uh, they'll take the entire Bible and say, ah, that's just a 
storybook of fairy tales. I don't believe any of it. I don't subscribe to any of it. And I'm not going to live by any of it. All right, well, that's their choice. And typically what follows is evil. When you, when you are your own standard of good, um, it's, uh, it's not good. There's a story in uh, Genesis chapter 6 before the flood. And the, the scripture describes it this way. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intentions of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. And so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the, la from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of heaven, for I'm sorry that I have made him. So again, we see the goodness of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God compared with a, a very wicked and depraved world. And, and that was a long time ago. Um, but, but there is hope. There is hope. Uh, and that is this verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so it reminds us that even in the midst of terrible evil and wickedness, there can be great good. Uh, even when we see many people going off into wickedness and evil, there's usually a remnant of people devoted to the Lord and doing what's good. And so that's what I would encourage you to, to be and to do. Uh, we can't control everyone else's actions. We can weep and our hearts can be broken when we see that kind of evil. But we can sure make sure we are doers of the good. Let's read a scripture from Romans chapter 12, uh, which says exactly this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I hope that helps you. All right. Got a correction here. Viewer says, <laughs> you said there would be no animals in heaven, but Jesus comes on a white horse and the lion will lay down with the lamb. All right, so our viewer, number one, thinks we said there wouldn't be any animals in heaven and then identifies at least three horses and lions and lambs. Well, first of all, we didn't say there will be no animals in heaven. We often get questions about will pets be in heaven, and uh, people worry about that a lot, and our answer always is there's no indication in the Bible uh, that there will be uh, there's a difference between man and animal. Man has an eternal spirit. And so uh, we can conclude from that that eternal spirits will be in heaven, but creatures without eternal spirits might not be. Uh, so we say maybe there won't be, but if God wants there to be, he can have all the animals that he wants there. Uh, if you absolutely need your pet to be in heaven to be happy, then God will arrange that somehow. But we never said there will not be any animals in heaven. Now, the second part, our viewer says, Jesus comes on a white horse and the lion will lay down with the lamb. Both of those are much more symbolic than actual. Uh, the picture of Jesus coming on a white horse is a picture of victory and uh, conquering and all of that. Now, there may be white horses in heaven. That'll be fine with me. Uh, but the Bible doesn't say that. That's a symbolic picture of Jesus' conquest. And as far as the lion and the lamb laying down together, actually the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says a wolf and the lamb uh, will lay down together and the lion will eat straw like an ox. And that's again as a symbolic picture in Isaiah 65 about how the new heavens and the new earth, the eternal kingdom, will be a time of peace. Uh, even the animals will get along. So if you want to take that and say that there will be animals in heaven, 
that's fine. We'll all find out when we get there. <laughs> all right. We have another question about heaven. And uh, this one is, why were the angels cast out of heaven? And the answer to that is the Bible does not fully tell us why the angels were cast out of heaven. Now, we get enough of a glimpse that lots of people have made assumptions and worked up great theories about war in heaven and, and uh, ranks of angels and all of this. Uh, that's farther than the Scripture goes. Maybe that happened, but the Scripture really doesn't give us a lot of detail. Uh, a couple of insights that we uh, that we know that angel and angel and presumably several others uh, were cast out of heaven. Uh, let's look at some scriptures. First of all, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So, from that we understand angels have the ability to sin and some angels were cast out of heaven, including uh, Satan himself. And we realize then that angels must have some degree of free will. How it works, how much free will they have, uh, we don't know. But uh, and, and how was there really a war in heaven? How, how long did God tolerate that and all that? Again, the Bible just does not say, but it does tell us that God dealt with it and is dealing with it. And however the free will works with angels, apparently they misused it. So uh, the answer is we fully don't know, but we know that they sinned and God dealt with it uh, exactly as we would expect God to deal with it righteously. Hope that helps you. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to study the Bible with us. And I know we're doing that now and answering a few of your special questions, but I'm talking about really sitting down with your Bible in your home and getting to know your Bible a little bit better. A lot of our viewers do that regularly and are great Bible students. Uh, we know because we get corrected on something every once in a while. Uh, but we got a lot of viewers that aren't into Bible study yet, and we've got a good way to get you into Bible study. Some tools that are really handy. Here's a lesson series. There's eight lessons in it, and it's just a good overview of the Bible. If you don't know anything about the Bible, start with this one, and when you're done with those eight lessons, you'll know quite a bit. And then once you finish that, if you like it and want to keep studying, we've got other courses that you can just keep right on going for a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. Uh, we know a lot of people don't like to do paper lessons these days, so we've got some online tools also. Uh, log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and give them your information and you can get started on an absolutely free Bible study. So lots of ways to study the Bible and we're happy to help you with those. All of them are free, uh, no cost at all, not even for the postage. If you do the mail ones, just uh, phone number, website at the bottom of the screen there. Use that anytime. Tell us you'd like a free course. We'll get you started on it. All right, question about a passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Does that mean God approves of slavery? Well, we better just read the passage to see what our viewer is talking about. So here it is, Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. 
Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Well, certainly sounds like uh, uh, Paul was addressing slaves there and telling them to do whatever the master said. Uh, that's offensive to us. We, you know, we've abolished slavery in this country, although it still does exist in a lot of places in the world. And we just can't believe that God would approve of that. Well, a couple of things we got to understand. Uh, first of all, when they're called slaves in the first century there, uh, that word just means servant or bond servant. Uh, and it had a lot different connotation then. Now, there were slaves. There were countries that took slaves, and when they won a war, they took the people into slavery and all of that. But in New Testament times, the practice of what we would call indentured servitude, uh, of someone signing up or uh, agreeing to be someone's servant for a period of time, often to pay off a debt, uh, and often in those days just for economic stability. Uh, they would sign on with something, and today we have employees that sign long-term contracts. Uh, you could call that slavery in the sense that Ephesians 6 is talking about indentured servitude. Now, that's a little different, but not much. So when Paul writes that, he's saying, okay, you work for someone, uh, you, you've signed up to serve them for seven years to pay off a debt you owe or just because that's how you can have economic stability. Well, serve that master like you're serving the Lord. Uh, be a good influence. Let him see what a Christian is like and how hardworking a Christian is, which is good advice for employees today. So, number one, it had a little different uh, connotation than it does today. Secondly, uh, the Bible is definitely against what we know as slavery, uh, taking someone against their will, owning them, forcing them to work for you. That's condemned over and over in the Bible. In 1 Timothy 1.10, slave traders are mentioned along with all the other horrible sins that Paul mentions that will send people to hell. Uh, slave trading is condemned expressly. Uh, in the Old Testament, there are a number of commands about treating your servants well or your slaves well. And it also says that it, if you take someone against their will, you can't kidnap somebody and make them a servant. If you are, you have to die. So the Bible condemns what we know as slavery. So in Ephesians 6, when we read that and it says slaves, that doesn't mean God approves of in slavery in the sense of owning people, uh, what it does do is God recognizes there. Paul is just admitting that it exists. People in those days served other people for a variety of reasons. And when you do, you ought to be a good employee, good servant, good bond servant, good slave, if you want to use that term. So I think that's the best explanation of it. All right. The next uh, question is, does God approve of genetic engineering. 
Well, we want to be really careful on speaking on behalf of what God approves or doesn't approve. The Bible doesn't specifically mention genetic engineering in the, the Word of God, so we have to think about it and use some principles of wisdom and also understand that genetic engineering is a pretty broad term can apply to a lot of things. Uh, genetic engineering, for example, allows better crops uh, with less water pest-resistant crops kind of things, allows people uh, uh, more food to be produced and to be resistant to uh, being ravaged by uh, pests and so forth. Uh, and so as far as that goes, I, I don't see any problem with that. I think it's human beings using their God-given gift of intelligence and scientific knowledge to make the world a better place. Um, Human genetic engineering, yeah, that that gets a little dicier in my view. Uh, now, again, I think some some areas of it could be used to be very helpful uh, to find uh, d disease markers in someone uh, maybe when they're born and say this per person is going to be severely at risk for uh, cancer or heart disease and maybe perhaps uh, treat that some way long before it becomes a problem to extend life and and make for healthy healthier life, or maybe even to heal uh, current sickness and maladies. Uh, all of those things are exciting, uh, and I think done properly are fine, and uh, there's nothing biblically that speaks against that. Now, as with everything, what uh, can be used for good can also be used for evil. Uh, I think any time we get into uh, uh, the uh, extinguishing of human life before it begins uh, in the womb, or you say, well, uh, this little child is going to have this disease or that disease or um, uh, this syndrome or that, uh, and therefore we're just going to eliminate it before it's born. Well, that, that is uh, terrible. Uh, that is uh, absolutely an affront to the Lord uh, because life, all life, is precious to God and especially human life. We're made in His image. Psalm chapter 119, I'm sorry, 139 verse 13 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows, knows it very well. So uh, that's the biblical principle in terms of human beings is that we are made in God's image fearfully and wonderfully. Uh, so anything that would be done under the guise of genetic engineering that would hurt life or end life uh, prematurely, um, you know, uh, uh, or even uh, taking embryos and, and dismembering them and selling uh, their body parts, uh, that sounds awful and atrocious, but that's a reality uh, that does happen, and it's terribly evil. So those kind of things, for sure, God does not approve of. Uh, with other areas of genetic engineering, I think as long as it's making the world a better place and not violating uh, the principles of the Lord, I think it's be okay. So I um, hope that helps a little bit. Okay, question about capital punishment, sort of. A uh, viewer says, would Jesus expect his followers to execute someone, even a criminal? Well, let's deal with that in two parts. First part is, yes, God approves of capital punishment. That's a principle in the Bible. And let's just look at a couple of verses uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. When Noah and the family came off the ark, God said, now here's the way we're going to run things. Here's a basic principle of life now. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. 
All right. So God said very clearly, okay, I made man in my image, and his life is sacred, and anybody that takes a human life has to forfeit their life. They've given up the right to live in society. If they don't have any more respect for my ultimate creation, mankind, then uh, they have forfeited the right to live. And uh, right after that, he starts to list reasons for capital punishment. So God approves of capital punishment. Now, some of you might say, well, that's Old Testament. Surely the New Testament doesn't. Oh, yes, the New Testament does. Romans chapter 1, let's look at that. Uh, Paul is explaining the rights of government, the authority of government. And he says, if you do wrong, be afraid. For he, he's talking about government, does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So, Paul explains that God ordains governments. The purpose of government is to protect innocent people and punish evil people. He goes into all that there in Romans chapter 13. So you can look at that if you want. Uh, and part of it, he says, now the government's got the power of the sword. Now, the power of the sword was not a slap on the wrist misdemeanor kind of thing. The power of the sword was beheading, was capital punishment. And he says they are the agents of God's wrath to punish the wrongdoer. So the Bible approves of capital punishment. Now, our viewer said... Would God expect his followers to execute someone? And that's a little different question. Uh, would he expect uh, a, a Christian to serve as the executioner, uh, to throw the switch on the electric chair or to administer the uh, medicine to uh, end someone's life or uh, pull the trap door for the, the noose and the hanging? Uh that's a whole different question. Uh, I, I don't think I could do that. There may be some Christians that could conscientiously do that. I think that would bother people's conscience in a lot of ways. Uh, but technically, legally, if you're working for the government, uh, you're obeying Romans chapter 13, uh, I think it would be possible. I just don't. I think it's a personal choice. So uh, would God expect his followers to execute someone? Uh, yes, he's in favor of capital punishment is the best way to say that, I think. And we'll end it there. <laughs> uh, let me take something, just a moment and share something with our audience here. Uh, we lost a Know Your Bible legend recently. If you're a longtime viewer, you remember Bill Oakley. Uh, Bill was on this program for a long time. Uh, he passed away this year at the age of 85. Uh, Bill was on this program from 1986 to 2013. He was on here for 27 years, and I know a lot of you remember him fondly. Uh, he taped 1,146 programs of Know Your Bible, so a lot of you have watched him. Uh, Bill also answered all the mail questions. If you got an answer in the mail about Know Your Bible, from Know Your Bible, uh, Bill wrote those answers for 27 years and communicated with a lot of you. Uh, Toby, you got to tape, I think, 146 of those shows yep. with Bill. Yeah. Uh, you got any special memories of Bill you'd like to share with the audience? Bill was exactly in person <laughs> who you saw on television. He wasn't 
phony. He was very genuine. He loved people. Uh, he he uh, loved God's Word, and he loved teaching God's Word. Uh, as I look at that picture, I'm, I'm still reminded, man, his hair was just <laughs> perfect, wasn't it? He was... Uh, he was, uh, uh, and is just the same in person, just always perfect like that. But no, he was um, uh, a gentleman. He was a wonderful Christian, is a great example uh, and friend, and uh, was always very gracious on the program. I've only been on here about eight years, and when I first started, he was kindly telling me when I had an answer that was a little too long for television, um, and he was uh, very gracious about how he did that. So certainly we'll miss him on the panel, and miss his uh, friendship and his wisdom. Yeah, Bill was a, a student of the Word, uh, and beyond that, he answered questions with compassion mm -hmm. and the general. He, he did a lot of counseling, a lot of marriage counseling and parent counseling, and uh, for that reason, I gave him most of the family questions. You know, mm -hmm. when somebody was having trouble in their family, he'd get that question, and he always did a great job answering them. Uh, but we still get calls from viewers that want to know how's Bill what's what's going on with Bill and he just uh, his health failed the last couple of years and he finally just was ready to get on out of this old world and uh, he's doing a whole lot better right now uh, he was a great servant of God uh, the first comes to my mind from second Samuel uh, King David uh, when his captain of the armies, Abner, died. Uh, David was weeping, and his servants tried to get him to eat and get over it and all that. And David said to them, Do you not realize that a prince and a great man has fallen today in Israel? Uh, Bill was a prince. He was a great man, a good student of the Word, and we're, we'll miss him from now on, but uh, we'll get to see him again soon. Absolutely. All right, Toby, got time for another question about Bibles sure. here. Sure. Uh, viewer asked the question about which Bible we use on the program. Which Bible do you use? I am Catholic. So on this program, most of the time, we use the English Standard Version, occasionally the New American Standard. Uh, New American Standard, I know, was Bill's favorite translation. Uh, and the, uh, we also use the NIV 1984. Those are the ones we use because we think that they're the most accurate and the most easily understandable to a mass audience. Um, now, a Catholic Bible is a little different uh, than uh, the ones we use on the program. Uh, I have put up a chart here for you to kind of explain the differences uh, in the Catholic and Protestant Bible. Uh, the, the Catholic Bible, uh, often called the New American Bible, New Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition, or the New Jerusalem Bible, had 73 books instead of 66, and those additional seven, known as the Apocrypha, were found in the Old Testament, and of course a little bit more text in Esther and Daniel as well. So you will not hear us uh, quoting from any of those extra books or, or using any of that extra text, but that's, those are the translations that we use, and those are the differences between uh, the ones we use and the Catholic Bible. hope that helps you. All righty, thank you. And we do use a few different ones because we get one that answers the question the yep. best and the language that we think explains it the best, uh, but we use different ones. But we're, we're glad you've been with us today to see whatever our answers were. Trivia question. <laughs> Let's get that answered. What did Solomon ask God to give him when he became king? Uh, like I said, he could ask for anything he wanted, and he asked God for wisdom 
to lead. Great request. And because of that, God blessed him with lots of other things. Second Chronicles 1.10. Glad you've been with us today, and we hope that you come back next week when we answer some more of your questions. Until then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.